Hey everyone, welcome to This is Steph Sober, a weekly podcast for those in need of some sober support. I'm your host, Steph, and in this week's episode, I chat with Rachel. At 40 Days Sober, this is the longest Rachel has gone without drinking. But Rachel is currently questioning if she can do the sober thing forever, which I think is really normal in the beginning. It can be very overwhelming. But everything I heard in our conversation tells me she is on the right path. She is accepting the emotional roller coaster of early sobriety and knows that it's just part of being human. She is noticing that the negative self-talk is fading and there is a confidence creeping in that she has never felt before. She is holding her head higher and making eye contact and smiling at strangers as they pass by. These are all really big, exciting things to be experiencing. Rachel, I know you can do this because you already are. You should be so proud of these last 40 days, and I look forward to seeing where your journey goes. This is Rachel Sober. I'm excited that you decided to do this because I know you're kind of on the fence since you're newly sober. Yeah. How many yeah. are you keeping in day count? How how I am, yeah. I've got a couple of apps and I've got I've got the This Is Sober app, I think, and dry days. And I think today well, it's weird because I've done forty days according to one app, but thirty nine until two in the morning according to the other one because I didn't stop until two AM on New Year's Day. So that was the time I went from. So oh, you're down to the down to the hour. I'm, I'm right there. I've got all the hours. This app counts the minutes, the seconds, everything. So I love it. <laughs> so yeah, not very long really compared to some, but yeah. much longer than I ever thought possible for me. This is the longest you've ever gone. Yeah. Well, yeah, I would probably say so from when I started drinking. I have. I did do a dry month uh, back in 2015, but that was sponsored. I did it for charity. And kicked and screamed the whole way through it and didn't really, you know, I didn't do it. I kind of did it more to prove that I could do time without alcohol rather than wanting to give up. Because at that point, I hadn't really done any research or learning or reading or anything. It was just more to like prove to myself, you know, oh, you haven't yeah. got a problem. You can do this sponsored. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of people can relate to that. I know I can. I know I did at least three dry Januaries with that mindset. This is just to prove that I am, I don't have a problem. Yeah. And then I'm going to go back to it moderately now that my tolerance is low and then it's a progressive thing and it just sneaks up onto you. So what would you say this time is different? It's been building up for a while. I'd say I've been sober curious for five years, which is a ridiculously long time. But that's when I really started to do a bit of reading. And I I did try and do periods of time when I wouldn't drink, but I'd only managed like a week and a half. Um, So I have been thinking about it for a long time. And it's only been in the last, I would say, year or so that I've really been reading a lot of Quitlet and things like that. I mean, I'd never even listened to a podcast until January. So this is the first, I can't believe I'm actually talking to someone on a podcast now because I'd never listened to one ever, not even about anything. So I think it was just, I know that I've needed to stop drinking for a long time uh, because it's just not, it's not suiting me anymore. It's not good for me. And December 
felt like an intense month because until this December for the last two or three years, obviously, we've all been in lockdown. And so a lot of social events weren't really happening. And then this December, it just seemed to just kick off and everything was happening. There were so many social events. I mean, I had weekends where I had three things happening. So Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And I would drink all of them. And I just got to Christmas. And I was at my parents, we're, we're a family, we, you know, we like to have a drink, like wine, things like that. And I was just drinking wine every evening, but I wasn't really feeling it. I was feeling not particularly well. You know, my stomach was kicking off. It wasn't happy that I was con- constantly bombarding it with food and um, rich food and all this wine. And so I got to New Year's Day and I hadn't planned on doing dry January as such. I just was like, right, that's it. I just need a break. And so... I got to New Year's Day and I had a horrendous hangover and I just thought, that's it. I'm going to start counting and I'm just going to see what happens. And I got to the end of January and I was really surprised, to be fair, that I'd actually managed to go a whole month uh, and just carried on. So that's why, I mean, we're only on the ninth of the month now. So uh, not too far in, excuse me. But yeah, I just haven't gone back to doing it. And I really do want to see if I can go a, a like a proper extended period of time rather than just do a month. Yeah. Like, do you have something in mind? Are you, do you have a goal that you're shooting for? Like some people, I want to try at least a hundred days or a year. Is that a thought process you have right now? Yeah, I have really thought about it and I would really like to do a hundred days. And the reason that I'm really struggling with the thought of that is because <laughs> Right at the end of March, I'm going on my first holiday abroad since before COVID. And the thought of going on holiday or vacation, as it would be in the States, is that that just is so strongly linked with drinking because it's relaxing. And and I can't picture going to Rome, which is where we're going, and not having a glass of wine when we're going out. And that's that's I I totally plan on doing it. But that right at the end almost of those 100 days I think it's like 11th of April so we're going at the end of March and I'm just I'm really determined to do 100 days so we'll see what happens (laughs) yeah vacations are a huge trigger I guess you would say or an event where yeah I don't think I have ever until recently gone on an adult vacation where everything didn't revolve around drinking yeah you know from the moment I would get up because I'm on vacation. Let's have a mimosa or a Bloody Mary. Yeah. <laughs> and it just all day. I will tell you, though, I was four months sober. So um, it was last April and I went on a beach vacation. I was so scared that it was just going to yeah. be the worst time. I just thought that I was going to ha- not have any fun because I was going to be thinking about wanting to drink. And at that point, I was very confident in my sobriety like I knew I didn't want to go back to drinking but then I also was like but what do I do now and I think a lot of people feel that way in the beginning okay well I know I don't want to drink anymore but then what like what do I do now and it was actually for the first time in my life I understood what it was like to like what a vacation was meant to be a time to relax get out of your routine and just take in the scenery and enjoy And it was the first time I came home from a vacation and actually felt rejuvenated because in the past, it was just a drunk fest for a week. I would come home and I would remember thinking, I need a vacation from my vacation. Like, I'm so tired. I'm hungover. I feel like shit. 
So that's like the joke, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But if that helps you at all, it's kind of like when people say you never regret not drinking the next day. Like if you're at a party and you decide I'm not going to drink and then you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, I'm so glad I did it. Yeah. It's just, a, it's just, it's exactly that just on a bigger scale, just more consecutive days in a row is the best way that I could describe how it feels and, and what it's like to try to get through it. Yeah, I think that's, I'm going to go with that mindset. And also because it is a city break that we're doing, the thought of being hungover is just awful. So yeah, I just, you know, it's not like the next day we can just go and relax on a beach. We are actually sightseeing and doing things and I would hate the hangover to ruin that. So yeah, that's the thing. It's difficult to get your mind out of the mindset of that, but at the same time, it could be a real eye-opener for me and I do feel a little bit excited about it I'm I'm also a bit scared but then one thing I never did which is quite common in the UK is I never went to the airport and had airport beers which is something people love doing here even if it's five o'clock in the morning there'll be people drinking pints of beer at the airport but I was never one to do that so that part I'm not worried about it's literally just the relaxing you know outside because it'll be spring I'm hoping it's quite warm and just the thought of not having it but I'm really going with the mindset that I'm not going to and that I'm going to do those 100 days and I'm going to have a vacation without booze. I'm set yeah. on it now. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, why not, right? Like, let's try something yeah. new. And why I love not? the fact that you have what you have planned doesn't, like, alcohol doesn't mix well with, like you said, like, going and cycling and all of that. Like, having a plan... See, my vacations are always about just laying around and relaxing or drinking. So I think that's huge for you as well to just already have something to look forward to, to take your mind off, to keep you busy, that you don't want to be hungover for, for just a whole nother reason, right? Yes, exactly. That's great. Yeah. Um, So newly sober, definitely probably working through emotions, triggers, habits do you want to talk a little bit about some things that you have learned about yourself so far yeah it's I don't I feel like my emotions have been uh quite up and down some days I've been almost euphorically happy and those have been amazing and then there's been other days where I've had this quite intense anger and I figure that I probably have always been slightly angry person I mean it's it's a bit of a joke amongst my friends I could be quite um I could be quite grumpy but it's 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 like an anger that is and it's not an anger because I can't drink because that doesn't bother me that used to bother me when I was trying like diet and things and I'd be like I can't have a drink you know it's making me so mad this is like an anger that comes out of nowhere and it's not directed at people or anything it's just a frustration and I just I don't really know what that is but all I can attribute it to is that I'm starting to feel emotions that I was constantly trying to numb um along with the positive emotions as well also, it's turned me into a, you know, I've always, when I was a kid, I always had a sweet tooth. But I thought that had gone. It's not gone. I, it's still really there. All is that I didn't really, I just didn't want sweet stuff because I had constant wine sugar running through my veins. And now that I don't, I am obsessed with cookies, ice cream. Like, I just, I'm loving it all. I mean, I'm trying to be relatively good. I've got weight to lose, but I just really... I'm enjoying sweet foods again and food even tastes better, just random things like that. But yeah, the emotion side, it seems to be, I just feel so much happier than I did. Even like when I say I get those, those occasional feelings of frustration and 
irritation and stuff like that, I just still feel so much happier. And it's amazing. It is an amazing feeling. I've never actually said that out loud. I feel like a bit cheesy, but it, it is a really good feeling. Yeah, it's the pink cloud that everyone talks about. If you, if you, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, you described it as euphoric, right? It's a euphoric feeling. Yeah, it's the only word. And, you and can that's use, it's weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, and that's exactly what pink cloud is. It's that euphoric feeling that someone gets after you know coming down from an addictive you know substance, alcohol being one of them. Um, and it's all part of our body just trying to come back to homeostasis because. The alcohol was constantly the highs, the lows, the highs, the lows. And yeah, it's it's good. It definitely keeps you wanting more of that, right? You're like, okay, I I can stop drinking if I'm going to feel this way. But like you said, the flip side is the emotions that you were drowning out for so long with alcohol do come up as well. And yeah. I've been thinking about it a little bit, actually, and I wasn't, I could be completely off on it, but I had a, I was thinking possibly some of these heightened emotions I was getting could have been related to PMS. And that when I was drinking, um, this is definitely a a female issue, when I was drinking, because my mood was constantly pretty much in the, in the doldrums, it was always kind of, I was I was always tired, quite often had a hangover. doesn't have to be a terrible hangover, but it, there was always just some grogginess there. And I just constantly felt not not happy. Like And so when I was having things like PMS, I didn't even realise because that's just how I felt all the time. Whereas this time, I kind of, I was aware of the, the time of the month and I was like, is this actually just PMS? Am I mad for no reason because I'm actually experiencing a natural thing my body is going through? And I haven't killed it all with wine or, you know, feeling just like a normal person rather than someone who's making all their emotions dulled and or, you know, I don't know what the word is, but just experiencing being human rather than that's what I kind of attribute it to now that I look back and see what was going on. So it might not even necessarily be that I'm angry at the world or anything. It might just have been something as simple as that yeah the same way that hunger has kind of become back to the sweet stuff again and I have heard a lot of people say they really crave sweet stuff when they stop Mm -hmm. drinking but it's just it's also it's nice and it feels good whereas it it didn't used to bother me drinking wine and having sweets I didn't care like now I'm just like yep (laughs) yeah it is a thing I I didn't eat a lot of sweets but I think it's like what you were saying. I always was like, oh, I don't have a sweet tooth. I can take or leave, you know, the cookies, the cake, all that stuff. And I was really proud of that about myself. But yeah, drinking the levels I was drinking, of course I didn't need it. I was getting plenty of sugar from the alcohol (laughs) and then some. So yeah, when I quit drinking, I'm like, oh, I would like a cookie. I would like some cake. (laughs) And I just, it, it does dole out by the way like it that doesn't last forever um but also it's kind of nice because I would also restrict myself because I wanted to have enough calories for drinking not that I ever really counted my calories but I knew I was drinking a lot of calories so I wouldn't let myself enjoy food and now I'm like I can enjoy food and not have to like worry in that sense yeah 
Yeah, it's funny how it did like because, you know, it didn't make any difference when you think about how much how many calories are in wine and cocktails and things. But it did make a difference in my mind. I was like, yeah, can't have that. Can't have that because I want to have a bottle of wine later. And that's like 560 calories. And that's all gone now. And just these simple things that make life better, like enjoying food and experience it. Well, I'm not saying PMS is better, but just knowing that's like, you know, that you're going through something just natural and. Yeah. I love how you said that you are accepting your feelings as just being human. Because I think when we can finally just accept like it's like it's like giving up it's like giving up on that hope that there's something out there that's gonna help me from ever having to feel pain again. And that's what we were hoping alcohol was gonna do for us. That was that was gonna be the answer, right? We're gonna have a, a shit day, we're gonna go home and drink wine and forget about it. Yeah. And then it just gets to a point where we're we're sick of that. Like we're sick of it because it it's not helping us. We know it's not, but now we just we don't know what else to do. And to just like give in and be like, this is being human. Like I'm a woman. There's going to be times of the month where I'm going to have irrational emotion that I'm not going to understand and I'm just going to get through it without drinking because we know drinking the alcohol will affect our hormones too. So I love that your mind has gone there because I think that's the difference between just doing a dry January and just white knuckling and getting through it or doing a dry January and really digging into why did I drink? What's going on? What are these feelings? What do they mean? And I've talked to and interviewed a lot of people. And it's the people that do that, that it sticks. It's the people that finally, you know, start connecting the dots back to instead of why do I want to get sober? It's why was I drinking? That's, yeah. that's when it starts clicking. Do you feel the narrative in your head is different. And what I mean by that is when I first got, so I was very, my, I had a very low self-esteem, negative self-talk, poor body image, just real asshole to myself. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like that went away. Where are you at with that? Do you feel a difference in, in that? Um, I do feel a difference in it. It's not, I wouldn't say I'm anywhere near where I want to be because Mm -hmm. I, like I said before, and it's with me, it's like a broken record with my weight. I've struggled with my weight all all my life, but I would like to lose a significant amount of weight and drinking was holding me back from that. But I think that my body image and my self-esteem have always been extremely low, like since I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. So I've never really had high self-esteem. And that was that's another thing where you say going back to thinking why you drink. I, I was aware of the fact that that's by the end of drinking as much as I did, I was aware that I was doing it because I just felt like I hated myself. And so the drinking wasn't helping in any way, shape or form, but I just was trying to numb that pain. But in the end, I was drinking and the only thing coming out was that hatred of myself. It was coming out in anger, in frustration, in depression, in everything. And that was that was what was coming out. So I totally... But yeah, I feel like that I've lost track of the question. <laughs> I'm just going on off on a tangent. But no, now I know what you mean. So I do feel there's a big difference because I'm, I've stopped doing that as much. I'm not doing the beating up self-talk as much as I used to. Um, 
And also, it was funny, I, I, I talked about this app I'm on earlier, but it allows other people to chat on this app. One, uh, all, all people are at the same time as you. So at the moment, we're on five, six weeks and people are chatting. And I put a comment on there and it was I was only about three weeks into not drinking. And I'd noticed it when I go out on my lunch hour at work and I go into town and I was holding my head higher and I was making eye contact with people which I never used to really do. I used to keep my head down. I used to not want to make eye contact with people. I was, it was, I was like embarrassed or ashamed just the fact that I existed and that I probably had a wine headache and just felt so disgusted. And now I'm like, I go out and I will, I will make eye contact. I will smile at people that might not smile back and then I'll think it's on you. But, you know, it's, you know, <laughs> it's really, it's just a completely different mindset. And I put this comment because I felt so, I got back after a lunch hour and I felt so, buoyant and I put it on and other people were saying the same thing that they felt that they could hold their head higher because they just were doing something for themselves once that also makes you feel better because you know what you're doing for yourself is right instead of just constantly killing yourself with it because towards the end I really felt like that was what I was doing Mm -hmm. so yeah it's been it's massive yeah it's this confidence and it's because you trust yourself now yeah, it kind of is. Yeah. You know, even though I'm scared of the future, it is. Yeah. But there's something about being clear headed, not drunk, not hungover, that there's just this confidence. And then there's a following that confidence is a trust. I trust what I'm doing now because I know that it's coming from a place of clear clarity. And yeah. I, I mean, I remember that in the first 60 days. I remember having that realization. And actually talking to someone that um, I met on Instagram, we became really good friends. And I said to her, do you feel confident? Like, does this sound weird? But do you feel confident? Like this weird confidence that you've never felt? Like you almost feel so sure, like sure of yourself when you speak. And when you, like you said, when you see someone and you're like, yeah, holding your head up. And she's like, yeah, oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> so it's definitely a thing. Um I'm sure there's some scientific neurological explanation, but I don't have all that. But th- it's definitely a thing. Yeah, well, no, it's good to hear other people say it as well. Like, I was so pleased when other people, I'm pleased you've said it, and I'm pleased that other people said it too, because it just, I, it felt a bit weird. And I was like, am I just being, am I just walking around like a lunatic with a smile on my face and people just thinking, what the hell are you doing? And then other people were saying the same thing, and I just felt a lot better than, about that, so... What a, yeah. what a happy place the world would be if everyone was sober, <laughs> just walking around confident, smiling and on a pink cloud. Wish it was that simple, but yeah, no. I, like, know, I, don't... I don't know. It's, and it, I know it can't I know it can't be that simple forever. And we all have up and down days and obviously I've had that since, but yeah, just small things like that. And also the the quietening down of the negative voice in the head is really good really good I mean it's still there but it's not half as vitriolic as it was I guess Mm -hmm. it's it's funny because there's so much freedom in it as well do you feel that do you feel the the gate has opened with your with your time and like there's just so much do you feel like that yeah because um before I stopped and this is one of the, this is something I dread about going back to it, is that my whole life revolved around alcohol to the point where 
my partner would notice and it was just you know every every weekend I wanted to go out drinking and you know if we did go on holiday and vacate or vacation we would you know I would want to make sure that we had enough wine in or enough wine in the house I'd have to make sure that was down at the shop before closing time just everything revolved around it and then once it didn't revolve around the drinking it revolved around the hangover so like there'd be times I couldn't get in the car and we'd go somewhere because I'd feel car sick and you know all this stuff that it kind of spoiled and I wouldn't stick to commitments because I was hungover I mean one time it was even my birthday and I was hungover and I didn't stick to the commitment I'd given with friends because I just felt awful and yeah it's that the freedom is getting away from that and realizing oh yeah like I could get up on Sunday and go for a walk this Sunday because we're going to be at home and it you know I won't feel terrible so I can do all this stuff I can get in a car we can go for a two-hour car journey and I won't want to get out and be sick or and it's that is like the freedom that it gives and not thinking about it all the time which is all I did it was all I thought about most of the time mm-hmm. so like even I'd be at work and it'd be like four o'clock in the afternoon and I'd be thinking about am I going to go and get some wine tonight I really shouldn't get wine but I want to get wine well, you could just have one bottle and it's that and it's also that moderation thing that you're constantly thinking about and without thinking about it my mind's just free to think about loads of other stuff I mean I'm not saying it's even it's any more important but it's it's nicer stuff mm-hmm. so yeah are you trying new things now that you're sober and you have all I'm, well I'm not, <laughs> there were things that I used to love doing that I kind of fell out of bothering with because I was too busy drinking and they're not things that I'm you know I'm never going to be someone who's jumping out of planes or abseiling or stuff like that I just don't like that sort of stuff but I loved um love cross stitch which most people find quite amusing I love um I love reading I just love reading and I just hadn't even really bothered reading for years because I couldn't really concentrate on a book if I was drinking then I'd have to go but it's like people who say they watch Netflix series when they were drunk and then they had to go back and watch the whole thing again because they can't remember it. I'd be the same with so I just gave with uh, drinking and reading. So I just gave up reading. I didn't give up drinking, I gave up reading. So I've got back into things like that. And um, when, the, you know, I've got back into exercise, something I wasn't bothering to do either. So I've started going out walking. I would really like to join a gym when I feel a bit more confident. So there's, there's things, I mean, I've not got tons of hobbies, but yeah, but just, just little things that, you know, I never used to like buy a nice bath bomb and have a bath because I'd be too busy drinking wine. <laughs> so just even little things like that, that I just little simple pleasures that you don't prioritize anymore because you prioritize a bottle of cheap wine. Yeah. And it's, awesome. that's what it feels like. It feels like I've, it's opened up all the things that, that I stopped doing. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> yeah, all yeah. those little joys are just stolen and you don't even... Once again, it's such a slow progression that you don't even realize it. No, I I didn't realize that about reading. I've always said I'm a huge book lover, but I didn't realize until all of this that I had just stopped doing it because I prioritized booze more. Um, Just things like that. You know, I started baking cakes. I'm not really that good at it, but I just, you know, start doing things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, Just little things that I enjoy, but that now actually are enjoyable because... I'm not hungover or thinking about wine. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I probably should have asked this at the beginning, but didn't think of it. When did you start drinking? Did you start drinking at a really young age? Um, well, yeah, because in the UK, the culture is that you usually start drinking pretty young. 
not everybody. I just like to say that as a disclaimer. I know we're not all the same, but um, yeah, I was about 14, 15 when I started drinking and it was pretty standard behavior for everybody around me who was, um, you know, we were in school and we just would go down the path with cheap cider. And to be fair, at 15, I was being asked by other people to go and get served because I could get served in in um, off licenses at 15 because they didn't ask for ID and I obviously looked 18. So we were doing that and I was going out clubbing at about 15, 16 because I could get in. Back then it wasn't particularly strict um, in, in, well, wasn't strict in the UK at, at that time. So I could just go out and I did, but I didn't. For a very long time, I don't think I had a problem with drinking, even though I know that sounds to a lot of people appalling because, you know, I, I know in America it's 21, but I lived in America um, before and I wasn't 21 and I was still able to drink. Mm-hmm. So it's not, um, it, yeah, so it's not, um, it's not unusual to do that. And, but I still, my drinking didn't become a problem until much later. It was still very just a social thing like I wouldn't be at home drinking or anything at that age definitely not and I would have been told off if I'd been caught really so you know but yeah that was when I started but I I can pretty much pinpoint when it became a problem so and when was that um probably around 2000 I don't know how long it was going because I'm terrible at math but about 2009 2010 is when I would say my drinking became a real problem uh, to the point where I was making silly decisions that could have put me in dangerous, you know, situations, going out at night, walking home alone at three in the morning, you know, stupid things like that. But also that was when I kind of started drinking at home to the point where, you know, yes, I've had a glass of wine at home before, but this became drinking bottles of wine. And quite often I was on my own. Um, and I felt like it was kind of like a lo- maybe a loneliness thing that I'd started doing this but it kind of escalated and yeah I just it became drinking at home and then drinking too much in bars and drinking too much you know going to the pub on a weeknight and just too much and that was when it really became I could tell even back then in the back of my mind I was like this is not good but I still didn't really consider that I had a problem because at that age I was in my what mid-20s or so or so at that age, I was still very much a firm believer in that if you're not waking up wanting whiskey and you're not in a gutter, that you're fine and that you don't have a problem. Whereas obviously now I'm completely aware that that's not the case and you totally can have a problem without hitting a rock bottom. That means that you're homeless, unemployed in a gutter. And, you know, I was holding down a job, um, but I was ashamed because I went in hungover a lot and my boss knew that and I don't think he was impressed. And, you know, it just, it, yeah, it was starting to get out of control then, I would say. <laughs> I mean. It's embarrassing to say it, really. No, it's don't be embarrassed. I know it's it. such a, it's, but it's so relatable. I, I mean, I started drinking when I was 14. I would say I didn't, problematic, and I would describe problematic the same way you did. It was, I don't feel it was problematic until it was something that I started doing at home. You know, because like you, I just, yeah, I would drink when we'd go out. Like that's part, it was part of going out, going out to dinner, going out to a bar with friends. But when it started to become this habitual thing at home after a hard day and Mm -hmm. it wasn't necessarily 
around socializing. It was just around like medicating. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's exactly the word. Oh, yeah, that's the word. It was medicating. It wasn't going out around the pubs and the clubs and drinking because you were with friends drinking. It was alone drinking. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, to be fair, um, and, you know, I I was very aware of coming on this, that I, I only, it only, I, I classed myself as totally responsible for my drinking. It was never anyone else's fault uh, and no one else should have had to deal with it. I was in a relationship and I felt quite lonely at the time because he worked shifts. So I would have evenings on my own and that was when it kind of became a problem because I would, I'm quite introverted and instead of branching out and going and seeing a friend or joining a club or doing something, I would choose to be at home on my own. But the loneliness made me then pick up a bottle thinking it would make it better and it didn't. Um, and I'm no way blaming anyone else for that. But it just I think that that initial loneliness and the fact that I was quite depressed when I got into the relationship, again, not his fault or anyone else's um was part of the reason that I just then went on the spiral and it was yeah when I look back I feel quite sad yeah well yeah and these are really big realizations to have but they're important so that we don't repeat patterns right so we know ourselves and get to know ourselves and that's one thing I know when I got sober I was so excited to do was to finally get to know me because I, once I started figuring out all these reasons why I was drinking and one of them was I'm introverted like you and I'm married to a very extroverted person and he <laughs> loves to entertain and I loved seeing him in that element and I loved that it made him happy. And so our house was the party house, even though nine times out of 10, I was just like, internally dying and wanting everyone to go home so I could have my house to myself so what do you do you down the alcohol so that you can tolerate it and now that I know that about myself and I accept it and I own it and I quit trying to make other people comfortable because of it don't need alcohol anymore you know so like you identifying like what happened during that time? Why did that escalate at that time? I mean, it's doing the work. It's just, it's sucks, but it's necessary, you know? Yeah, it's good. To, it is actually good to go back and think, why was I doing all of that? Because it sure as hell wasn't because it was enjoyable. You know, going out with friends was enjoyable. But then when it comes to that point, you're like, I was doing that for a reason. And it was, you know, it was because of situations or how I felt about myself. And it's actually really it's emotional but it's really freeing and I think that's something that I'm really trying to do as well it's like when I want to drink now if I do which to be fair I haven't because it's only February I haven't had loads of social situations where I've been in a in a situation where it can be triggered but um I do I do think about it now if I'm like oh I could fancy a glass of wine I'm like why do I is it just because it's Friday and usually that's the only reason like tomorrow I'll probably be like oh it's just wine time coming up but I won't do it because there's, no, there's just no point in it. Right. And it's just that habit kicking in, right? Like it's fr- yeah. like you always Friday was wine time. Like we used to always yeah. do happy hour on Fridays. And it took a while for me to not automatically think, okay, it's Friday. We're going to do happy hour. And I'm like, yeah. I don't like, ha- I don't like doing happy hour <laughs> sober. I don't want to do happy hour sober. And then, you know, I just <laughs> gradually bowed out of going to happy hour. I mean, I did go. I did oh, yeah. try going for a while, 
<laughs> it's not as fun. And not that it was really even fun, but it's just different. You know what I mean? I don't want to say it's not as fun, but um, the reason behind going originally was not the reason going, you know, as a sober person. So, yeah, I didn't. I just found there was a lot of things that I thought I was going to try to reintroduce myself to after getting sober that I realized I don't really want to do them. I just was doing yeah. them because I was drinking. So, yeah. So it's not like, that's the thing. It's not, um, if you're not drinking, going to a happy hour is not going to be, it's not relaxing. No. Because everybody else is getting yeah. drunk. So they're getting progressively louder and louder and louder. And you're like, I just want to go home. I'm fantasizing not about laying in my bed, off. curled up with my dog, <laughs> just watching Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's difficult. I mean, this weekend's the first time I've actually, I've been, we've been invited, my partner and I have been invited to a house party. And obviously I've been to a house party probably ever without drinking, yeah. I don't think, because other than when I was a kid. So, yeah, I'm a bit worried about that because the house party is very much, you know, everyone sat around the drinking red wine, having, you know, a few snacks. But it's like, it's, and I'm quite happy to go and socialize for a bit. But I have said, like, I may need to bow out earlier because the thing is, is that, and I know it from being <laughs> being drunk for so long, like, it just gets progressively, people just start slurring and, like, repeating everything. And you're like, oh, I can't be bothered. So I'm just going to go home eventually. I mean, luckily, yeah. it's only around the corner. So I might oh, buy out, bow out a bit early. Yeah, but it's, yeah, I think that's, I'm a bit nervous about that. So I see what you mean. Like, happy hour, I would be nervous going to something like that now because it is very centered around drinking. Yeah. Have you thought about, okay, so this party you're going to, do you know everyone that's going to be there? Are these people you've known? Pretty much. Do they know you're sober? Uh, Most of them do, yeah. And I also know that they won't do the, oh, go on, just have one sort of thing. Because if they know I'm being good, they they won't, they won't bother. And even if they do, there's no point. Yeah. No, I'd oh, rather, and then, like, you know, if they do, I'd rather come home because it's just not, yeah, it's not, it's not worth it to me. And I want to get up early on Sunday and go for a walk anyway. Yeah. I won't do it if I've got a hangover. I'm not right. ruining my day. I'm like, I'm nearly at 50 days. I'm only 10 days away from 50 days now. That's huge. <laughs> it yeah, is you don't, for me. So. Yeah. You don't want to yeah. go back to zero. It's like, I, not for a house party. Right. <laughs> exactly. My 40th birthday, you know, that's, that's. <laughs> lingering there I'm like oh my god am I gonna go like what am I gonna do with that champagne it's still over a year away and I'm already thinking about it yeah I don't think that far ahead no I I try not to that's what I've been told by a lot of you know a lot of podcasts where I've listened to do Mm -hmm. not look too far ahead Mm because it will be overwhelming and you'll think oh I can't do that Mm -hmm. but then when you get to it you find that you can yeah well you will because I can't I'm a, I'm a little over a year in and it, if you stay focused, like you said, like this weekend, that's all you have to focus on is, is this house party. Because once you get through that, it's like almost like strength training a muscle, you Mm. know? So by the time you, if you look at it that way, every time you make the decision not to drink in a situation you would have normally decided to have a drink. You're just building that confidence in yourself and you're building that narrative in your mind and you're building a new habit and all those things just take time. They just take time. And you've got a long time. It sounds like you said like a year till your 40th. So think about it. Like 
don't worry about it now because by then, if you just keep building this brick by brick, it's going to be a breeze. Yeah, I hope so. It will. I thought, um, I I mean, I don't know how you found your first birthday sober. How did you find it? I was almost four months sober. So I was newly sober. Wow. Um, Yeah, my birthday is in April. I planned a dinner that I would have normally planned as a drinker because I was still in the mindset of nobody worry about me. I can still hang out with you guys while you drink. Nothing's going to change. Still in that people-pleasing mindset. And to be quite honest, it was lonely. It felt very lonely to be at a dinner. Everyone's ordering drinks. And my, my friends drink quickly binge drink and they get annoyed if the wait staff can't you know keep up <laughs> with their drinking and you know here it is I'm sitting here it's my birthday and they're just downing them and they're like oh my gosh why is it taking forever to get a drink and it's just it was hard I felt like an outcast because then it's like who needs a round and then I'm not part of that you know raising my yeah. hand <laughs> but I didn't want to drink I, I, it actually solidified my not wanting to drink even more. But I do remember when that weekend was over, just feeling very lonely. Like it was a very lonely feeling and knowing that I need some sober people in my life. Like I need, I need connection. And, um, yeah. I think that's, that was when I really understood the need for sober Instagram, which is as an introvert has been great for me because I don't have to go into a meeting full of people that just freaks me out. It's very, you know, much one-on-one for me. And, um, that, that was a turning point for me, but yeah, I didn't want to drink. Yeah. So that was good. It was well, just a lot great. of realization around who I was hanging out with. And I just yeah. felt like very alone. Like I'm not part of that anymore. And it's yeah. hard. But it was necessary. Yeah. Once again, it's one of those things that was necessary. It needed to be realized. I, I needed to like, it's like having your foot on one cliff and then the other and you got it. You got to pick a side, unfortunately. And that was kind of one of those moments for me. Yeah, well, it's not. Thank you for being honest about it and mm-hmm. saying that, you know, how it really was, because I do think that's going to be a thing that does happen. You know, it is, it is hard even now. Only a bit, you know, I have been for a for a big lunch um, where everybody was enjoying drinks and stuff. And it, it was, it was a bit, it was harder than any of the other days I've had so far, but I still did it. But the only really annoying thing I, I find about doing all of that is that um, soft drinks are so uh, filling because when you're drinking wine, you're like, Oh, I'm dehydrating myself. It doesn't matter. Whereas if you're constantly drinking fizzy drinks or even just normal soft drinks, you just stuffed with soft drinks. And it's just, oh, I can't drink anything else. Yeah. <laughs> so I woke up feeling fine the next day, but God, I was stuffed. Yeah. But yeah, that was the hardest. So I can imagine a birthday doing it would be hard. Mm-hmm. So it's also you saying that kind of, it reiterates that you can't always do the things that you would have done, Like you have to kind of change things up a bit. And so maybe don't like do the same celebrations because really it's about you it's about you if it, it is, is your birthday it's about you yeah it's not about everybody else getting drunk yep <laughs> so yeah, yeah that was that definitely definitely the lesson learned that day and it's funny because I I reached out to um a sober friend on Instagram that day because I was already having a little bit of 
like worry. Like it was like an oh shit moment, like right before we were going. So I was like, I didn't think this through very well because I planned it like a month because I made reservations. So I planned it like a month out, and I'm like, God, I just I I don't know. And I reached out, and she's like, You just need to tell them that they can't drink. Here's someone who is you know <laughs> confident. She's like, Just tell them. And she's like, And if you can't do it, ask ask your brother or your husband to tell them like, we're not drinking for my birthday. And I was like, obviously I didn't do that. Cause <laughs> I'd be terrified. <laughs> no, there's just no way, but I will tell you, I see what she was getting at with that though. What she was actually saying mm-hmm. is like, you should have probably picked something for you. You planned something for <laughs> the old version of you yeah, and all yeah. of them, you know, so moving forward, this year's birthday, yeah, you won't be doing that. I don't know what we're no, going to do yet, but do it's something. not that. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. I might just do something by myself since I like right? my own company. <laughs> just go for like a massage or get like a manicure, pedicure and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Totally back. No booze. Yeah. And then no one else can do their drinking booze either. Great. <laughs> so yeah, it is, it, you do get to a point where you start, um, you know, Protecting your sobriety, I guess, is the best way to put it. You start protecting it and you start doing things that you know aren't going to be triggering and you find there's certain things like, wow, I cannot believe that I used to spend my Saturdays watching college football because mm-hmm. I I didn't do that at all this year, but I used to do it. But that's because it was an excuse to binge drink all day. Yeah, I don't like watching college football. So now I don't <laughs> do it. So it's just stuff like that, you know. Yeah. But it's all good. It's scary, but good. It's learning yeah. who you are. And there's nothing better than that because then you really do love, when you figure out who you are, you really do love yourself for who you truly are. Because I think a lot of the reason why I had so much negative self-talk and I was so hard on myself, like you were saying, like even on my, I had poor body image, all of those things, because I kept trying to be somebody for some, for everyone else. You know, I was always trying to people please and make everyone else happy and be who they needed me to be. And once I got rid of the alcohol, because I was using the alcohol to help me get through that, you just, I don't know, it's like, I don't care what you think. Like, this is who I am. And I actually really feel good about that, like who I am. And so that's what I, you know, when you were telling me that about yourself, that's what I'm excited for you to discover because it's, it's probably my favorite part of being sober is the yeah, well I look forward to that yeah <laughs> I mean I can see shades of that sort of thing happening but yeah it's it's still early days at the moment and I feel like I I yeah it's it's a challenge doing this to my, to myself because I always tell, told myself before starting this journey that you know I couldn't do it and it would be impossible and how the hell was I supposed to get through a January's worst month of the year without drinking and that's how I always justified it to myself and to everybody else um and actually doing it has given me I mean I can't even believe myself to be honest if you'd have told me even at the beginning of December that by the 9th of February that I wouldn't be drinking I would have just laughed and just been like no way there's no way so it does it gives you so much more self-belief when you don't drink so, yeah see what happens as time goes on it's exciting yeah. I, I mean I 
if you would have told me I was going to do a sober podcast, I would have laughed. I would have fell out of my chair. <laughs> no way. And now I'm starting a second one. Like, what is going I on? That. Yeah. yeah it's just, along with the time that you get and the freedom, it's also just your creativity comes back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you started drinking at 14. So did I. And I feel like that girl who right before she started drinking and introducing all of that, that version of me has come back. Like the things that she loves to do has come back. And I think I've heard other people talk about that too, like that inner child or that, that version of them before they started drinking that had so much life in them, like so much creativity and wonder and that comes back and it's so fun to explore. And yeah, it's, Oh, it's fun. I love it. it it's just the best. Like I said, it's the best. The, the self-discovery is the best is like my favorite part of this whole process. I kind of worried that I'd left it too late to like do that and that, mm-hmm. you know, I'd wasted so much time. But it's actually been quite good because a lot of the podcasts I listen to um, are women in their 30s and 40s who have all made this kind of discovery now. And that's really good. Um, I know there's there's guys as well, which is really good. But I'm, you know, and some of them are men and women. I listen to a podcast called Sober Awkward as well, and that's yeah, that's um, another one that's good because it's it's nice to have people who are around the same age to relate to. I mean, I've heard that a lot of younger people are stopping drinking now and they're not doing it, uh, which is really really good because they won't waste as many years. Yeah, I know. Wasted as we did <laughs> because I yeah, I just feel like oh my god, all these all these years that I've literally wasted being wasted mm-hmm. can I get back to who I was even though I didn't really know why I was so young but exactly yeah it does it does feel like that it's, it's it does feel like you're getting yourself back even though I'm not necessarily know didn't even know who that yeah. was so yeah I can't really be I, I just I can't really be more positive about not drinking to be fair because it really is amazing and it's totally worth that 20 minute little bit of high that you might get from that first glass of wine which is literally all that I used to look forward to was that feeling and you can you, that doesn't you don't get that ever again the more you drink that night it goes and then it's like that's yeah I just had to understand that in my brain before mm-hmm. I could really give this a go but now that I do it's that's what I tell myself when I'm really tempted to you know get a bottle of wine from the shop is like it will literally be one glass and then it will just be downward downward spiral downward feelings of shame and depression again Mm -hmm. yeah I love that you I use that same narrative because I read um a lot of Quitlet and listened Sober Awkward was a a podcast I still listen to I like them um and yeah I like I had to build up this evidence against alcohol because for so long I never wanted to hear any of that like I defended it because I really thought I needed it. Like I really leaned heavily on it as a crutch and I didn't want to let it go. It was like a toddler with a pacifier. Like it was just a a really nasty habit crutch was not serving me. And so I knew I needed to like build this case against alcohol so that in those moments, like you said, where I was thinking I needed it, you know, telling myself, okay, yeah. Like you said, 20 minutes is not enough. 
it's not worth it. It's not worth the anxiety. Cause I had horrible anxiety when I was a drinker, horrible anxiety attack. And it's just, yeah, playing it forward and reminding yourself what you're going to end up doing, especially now that you've gone long enough into where you're starting to feel like the pink cloud effects and stuff. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's and that's I would never want to do it. And also when you do all this reading and learning, you realize how toxic booze is. Mm-hmm. And obviously I'm not going to turn around now and be like someone who preaches to my friend. Like, I don't mm-hmm. care if everyone else wants to get on, get drunk, do it. I mean, I used to love it. I can't say that. But right. I don't want to go back to doing that and putting it all into my body again because it was hard enough getting rid of it in the first place and having hangovers all the time. And I just I just want to keep feeling like this because I feel like this is this is norm this is me, this is who I am. Like I don't it's not altering anything. It's not altering you know, altering my mind. And it's not altering like my gut and all this sort of stuff, you know. I just never felt right. It was always there was always something off when I was drinking, whether it was a headache or stomach ache or you know, so it's just nice. And I don't want to go back to putting that in my body, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, I say all this, God knows. I think that's what I'm really worried about is that it's early days and I'm I'm really worried that I can't do it, even though I think I can. And I think that's the thing. And I don't want to say like never again or forever, because that's when I think I would I would fail then. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going at the moment, kind of taking it a day at a time and a week at a time and seeing what happens. Mm-hmm. I think that's the fear of failing, the fear of, you know, going back to it. But I will say everything you've said, I mean, you are on the right track. You've got the right mindset around why you don't want to go back. And that's just going to continue to get stronger. So I really hope so. Yeah. I I'm excited that it, yeah, I'm yeah, excited that. I think you need to give yourself a little bit more credit. I've never been very good at that. <laughs> Hopefully that will get better the more that I do this. You know, that yeah. positive self-talk will start rather than believing I can't do it. But, yeah, yeah. I think, that you know, when you said, I said that's kind of why I wasn't sure about doing this mm-hmm. because I felt like I couldn't really talk about it if there's ever a chance that I'll go back to doing that. And because I can't say forever, mm-hmm. I was worried that would make me inauthentic or something no. like that. and. But at the moment, I just feel like this is this is what was meant to be. I was meant to be off it completely and mm-hmm. stop trying to moderate and do all that silly stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you came on and shared because it was authentic. I mean, there's so many people that try and try and try. And I always tell everyone, like, you can't fail if you keep trying. So even if you have a drink, you can choose to not have a drink the next day. It's like climbing a mountain just because you slipped a few feet. You don't go all the way back down to the bottom. You just, you keep going. And nobody has ever just, nobody I've talked to hasn't struggled with it in the beginning or it hadn't been, you know, like you said, five years of just thinking about it, trying it here and there. I mean, it's just, it's just part of it and we all have our own journey and yeah, I I'm glad that you came on because I, I know there's others that feel the same, you know, feel the same way. Like, can I really do this forever? And yeah, you don't know. Forever's a scary thing. Yeah. It's know. very scary. But the fact that you've been able to do it this long, I mean, use that as proof that you can do it. It's not that you can't, you absolutely can. 
but it's just that fear of failure that creeps in and that's part of being human and it's just a our brains want to automatically look for like danger or like prepare us for, you know, something negative. But yeah. And it's also that it looks back on with rose tinted glasses, all the things that were horrific about it. So, and I know that, I know that it's just not, it's that fading effect bias of not rem- of remembering the good times and not what really was the reality of it. And it was not good. Mm-mm. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've said that before, too. I mean, I had a lot of good times with alcohol, but I have to remind myself that just because alcohol was present during that that good time, I, I have to quit giving it the credit for making it a good time. It would have been a good time yeah. without it. And that's the problem we as a society is we glamorize and we romanticize and we give alcohol this credit for all our good times and all our bonding and all of that. When really it would have happened without it, we just don't. Yeah, ever... it's the people, isn't it? It's the people yeah. and the situation that make it so good, like with friends and things mm-hmm. like that. And it's highly likely you just still would have had a good time. Mm-hmm. I I want to thank you again. It's been so great. Uh, thank you because it's therapeutic to speak to someone about it as well. Because you can only have these conversations with someone who gets it. Mm-hmm. Um, someone else who's stopped because other people either don't want to hear it or just don't understand. Right. So it's nice to be able to have a conversation with someone else who's who's done it and who's managed a lot longer. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. Remember, I am just a woman on a mission to normalize sobriety and living a sober lifestyle. I am not a licensed therapist or a doctor. Please, if alcohol is causing serious physical or mental health issues, seek professional help. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to hit follow so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, leaving a five-star review will help this podcast reach more people like you in the sober community. It's an easy way to spread the word in normalizing a sober lifestyle. You should never feel alone in sobriety, so feel free to reach out to me via email or through my Instagram account at ThisIsStephSober. Links to both are listed in the show notes.